Hey, Print Hustlers, welcome back to another episode of Printavo's Print Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got our co-host, Stephen Ferry from Canvas Inc., and our very special guest, Sean Kirkpatrick out of Lubet, Texas. Did I say it right? Lubbock. 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 Where, where's that at in Texas, Sean? I'm up in the square part. It's West Texas. It, they call it West Texas, but I'm originally from El Paso, which is the very far tip of Texas. And then the big square panhandle part, we still call that West Texas, but I'm up there in the in the square. In the square. Where'd we meet, Sean? Did we meet at ThreadX or? ThreadX, just this this last year, yeah. Wow. Arizona. Like we met each other two weeks ago, basically, because that's how long COVID's right. been going on yeah. for. Yeah. yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun event. A lot of those events are fun. I, You know, we, for Princess Conf, we, our, our deposit is still at the Ace Hotel in Chicago, so... I've just been hoping that they don't go under so we can keep the deposit there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been tricky for, for hotels, obviously. Sean runs Integrities. Um, Sean, you've got some awesome stuff just from the, what I've seen posted on Facebook that you've been sharing. But it's funny because you actually said that you've been running Integrities for a while, but just started getting involved in the community outside of your shop. Yeah, so I've been in business since 2003, started in a little garage, just kind of like everybody with a four color press, and then you kind of just move your way up. And, you know, for 16 years, I uh, I think I'd gone to maybe SGI in Dallas every other year or something like that, but I wasn't talking to a lot of people. I wasn't meeting people. I was just kind of going around and looking, hey, what's the new emulsion or new white ink that I need to look out? Not really building a community of... Uh, of people in the industry and then uh you know kind of once i got into the the digital squeegee and the hybrid sector and uh, and started building the facebook page and 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 just kind of really getting excited about that i saw other people getting excited so i started meeting a lot of people and i've just really really enjoyed it but that's only been in the, like the last year and a half of my you know print journey and then in the last year, COVID hit and shut it all down. So uh, I'm ready for it to open back up and me be able to go to ThreadX and conferences and print hustlers and all that kind of fun stuff just to see everybody and, and, and get out of the shop and, and learn. Cool. So, Sean, uh, you, you said the word digital squeegee. And uh, for those listening uh, are gonna that don't know what a digital squeegee is, they're going to quickly Google it. But um, you are one of the, uh, the, the, the early adopters, I guess, of the MNR Digital Squeegee. Um, tell us about that experience. It took you 16 years to get one. Um, and being one of, one of the early users of it, tell us about that. Well, I think I saw the first one uh, when they announced it in, in, in January of 2018 and saw it, big monster machine. It was on that big strike at the conference. And I think I walked by it and said, hey, I, I know that's probably out of my price range. I don't even want to look at it, you know. And, and I've just really not been um, a fan of DTG since the beginning. Uh, when, when the DTG came out, I actually flew down to Scott Fresner's in, uh, in Arizona when he had that first T-Jet or whatever and kind of took the class within the first couple months because I'm a real big tech guy. I love everything, you know, future thinking and stuff. And I just, I looked at it and said, you got to spray a shirt and you got to print it. And it takes 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, I can't make money on this. Just get out of here. And I just had a bad taste in my mouth on that. So, you know, I looked at the digital squeegees. It was just a, just a big DTG machine. You know, you, you, you can't do anything with it. So uh, then actually in January of 2019, saw it again in, in Long Beach and, and took a little bit longer look at it. Eh, let me look at this. What, what's going on? It's, it's here now. Everyone's talking about it. Um, 
And within about three months, I was just going crazy because um, my niche market are, are women's brands that I print for. And just in the few months between the time I saw the digital squeegee and the time that I ended up purchasing one, for some reason, all of my brands decided they wanted to go from three to four color spot colored prints to full simulated process. So I went from having real easy setups to learning simulated process and setting up, you know, eight screens, nine screens and dealing with all the problem, the color and the color changes and, and just the headaches of the whole thing simulated process. And that really quickly allowed my brain to say, okay, well, uh, hey, digital squeegee, why don't you talk to me about this? And, and let, me, let me find out the benefits of it. And once, once somebody can wrap their mind around the concept of hybrid and the benefits over traditional printing, um, it was just easy. I kind of just, you know, I made that mind click and, and went for it. And I was actually with M&R, um, speaking to them now they were really surprised that i was interested in when they built the digital squeegee they thought the only companies were going to be the fanatics and the latitudes and the adidas and all these big companies that were going to be printing mass shirts and and high quality stuff uh with 10 15 30 presses in it and they were like integrity how many how many presses do you have at the time and i had one gauntlet three and i was like you know i, I, I want to add it i want to i want to put it in there and they were like well you know we you know, we'll sell it to you and, you know, we'll, we'll be your biggest cheerleader. Uh, but we just haven't had anybody like you do that yet. And uh, and I've just made it work. It's really been a really, really big part of uh, my growth in the last year and a half that I've had it. And wow. it's just, uh, just amazing. Wow. Equipment. So before that, Sean, you said you had a Gauntlet 3. Mm -hmm. um, and then were you running a direct screen as well? Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. you know, it was crazy. Uh, every year, you know, you got to pay taxes at the end of the year, so you want to spend some money. And I had uh, unknowingly started building my shop the couple of years before, building it for, for hybrid printing. I, I updated my screen room uh, with the Unicode and the CTS and everything. And I had even upgraded my dryer to a Sprint 3000, you know, not knowing that I was ever going to be printing water-based ink, but I had a little Radicure, you know. And I uh, was doing fine, but I wanted a bigger dryer, so I, you know, picked up a gas dryer, and and um, and I was it, I was literally in a position where, you know, they say you got to spend, you know, if if you if you didn't have anything in your shop and you wanted to go digital squeegee, you're spending half a million dollars, you know, to put all of the equipment in that you need to successfully run. Um, but I had so much of that already integrated in my shop and set up and everything, so it was just kind of in my mind a really good move to to get into it when I did. Wow. So would you say you are the smallest print shop to get a digital squeegee? I still, I, at the time, at the time I was, because everybody else that had one had, I think they, they, they when they added it in, they had three or four presses. And at the time, in fact, I thought I was going to get rid of the gauntlet and be running everything. One press, one digital squeegee running everything, you know, and, uh, and luckily I kind of looked at it and said, yeah, maybe, you know, if I, if I broke just the digital squeegee side of my business, then I need another press to run anyways and so i'm glad that i kept everything and and since then i've added another press just because um my business has grown so much because of that wow and and now you're running are you running the digital speed on a striker or yeah yeah i you know the, cool the first time i saw a striker and it was at one of the shows i was just amazed you know every everybody sees these you know carousel presses when you go manuals when you go you know all the automatics that are running and then i saw this beast of a machine that was just long and mean looking looked like a transformer and stuff and the heads <laughs> were moving up and down i was like oh man this thing's amazing 
Uh, and I really think the striker and the oval presses in himself, I think they just lend a really nice synergy with the hybrid uh, system. Um, but it, a lot of people are putting uh, a high, the, the digital squeegee on carousel presses easily too. So, I mean, it just worked for the, it's actually worked for the shape of my shop. You know, if I had had room for an 18 color gauntlet, uh, you know, they probably would have talked me into that, but I have a, I had a nice long skinny area for me to not have to move a bunch of stuff. And I said, well, that's perfect. I get my striker and I can have it everything that I want. And it just worked out. So I, there's just so many things going through my mind. Cause I was, I'm always in the same boat as you, Sean. I see that thing. I see what price tag it looks like. And then I kind of walk away and I'm like, okay. Um, and then you hear about another shop getting it, another shop getting it, another shop getting it. Were you, I mean, being an early adopter of, of such a new technology, right? Like, how, how scared were you going into it? Like, how much research did you do? Like, and, and, and I only live an hour away from their warehouse, and, you know, I'm, it's scary yeah. and intimidating. Tell us about that experience, like, jumping into that, because well, I think that's, that, that sounds insane. At the time, when I was looking at getting one, uh, I was like, okay, M&R, you know, they do their sales pitch, had my rep come out and say, oh, yeah, you can put it here, and this is how much it's going to cost. Well, I was like, okay, you know, this is brand new. I mean, it's been out for two years, but you don't, nobody knows anybody with one. So, I mean, they're showing it off, but, you know, they weren't out there. So I was like, oh, can I get some people, you know, can some owners that I can talk to? And they're like, yeah, we, it's a short list, and you, you'll be lucky if they send you an email reply, and I'm going, what the heck? So I actually built the... Uh, digital squeegees facebook page and decided hey let me kind of build it nobody is doing it yet nope there wasn't any community there wasn't anything like that so i built the page i got a couple of the owners on there got a couple of the geek manufacturers that are building it for the hybrid got some mnr people on there and gsg and nasdaq and everything and just started getting a group of people so that they can just kind of synergize and and, and, and bring the information together and then it's really gotten to be something bigger than I ever thought it would be. I mean, people are loving it. Uh, since then, now a bunch of owners are on there and we post, you know, regularly on, hey, this is what we're printing. This is how we're printing. Hey, this ink is great. I found this new technique out. Um, so you're know, going back to you, it, you know, was I scared to do it? I really think, you know, I, I, I tell, cause I have calls. Um, MNR likes to uh, use me as their, um, example for small shops that are that are having the same question they're like oh i need to talk to somebody and so they're like well here, here's shocker patrick's number go ahead and call him and i like to tell people if you can make that it's it's a click in your mind if you can make that click in your mind to say hey i've got so much simulated process and they take eight screens and i've got to separate the artwork and i've got to build those screens and i've got to mix those things and i've got to set it up and then you know what i was having a problem was i was working with all these women's brands and I'd get the final print on there and I'm like, oh, it looks great. And I'd send them a picture and they're like, yeah, that flower needs to be more pink. And I'm like, so, I mean, if, if, if it was lucky, I could, you know, take the ink off there, you know, put a different ink on, you know, the red, you know, turn it a little bit pinker and, and change that. If not, you've got to start from scratch again. And so, you know, just in that and then tear the screens down, clean them all. So, I mean, it was just a big process to do one job of, you know, 200 shirts with a digital squeegee, three screens. And then you send them the, the, the print and they say, oh, that needs to be pink. And you go to Photoshop and you click, 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 click and save and send it over and it's more pink. So it's a five minute color change. And when you get your mind around, yes, the hybrid 
you know, it's a piece of machinery that costs a lot. Uh, the, the inks cost a little bit more. So your print has a little bit more price built into it, but the savings on the labor of setup and tear down and supplies is monumental. You know, it, it starts, it starts going from, Oh, digital hybrid. Oh, you know, and it starts going like that. And when you make that click and say, man, I, I want to run a lean shop with a small crew and I want to be pumping a ton of these really high quality designs out on a regular basis. You know, in my mind, I said it makes sense and I pulled the trigger and it's exactly how I thought it would be. I mean, it's just a, it's just a whole different way of printing. Well, can, Sean, can you talk about price point to get into this? Uh, to get into the digital squeegee? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a press. There's, so there's... you got to have a press and, you know, they say 14 colors the minimum, but I tell everybody, I said, you need to put it on an 18 color no matter what, you know. If you don't have an 18 color, then wait until you can afford one to put it on there. And why is that, Sean? Because you, you you talk about three screens, and then I've heard this again: 18 color. So it's it's three screens, but it's water based. So you've got to have a flash and a cool down after each print. So that's basically on three screens with the top coat being the last. The digital squeegee takes up three, and it's hybrid. So the power of the hybrid is uh, you can put digital printing on 100% poly but you have to add a bleed blocker screen which has to have a flash and a cool down before you put on your next white you can have glitters you can have special effects you can have puff you can add spot colors you know cmyk only can hit you know 88 percent of the color gamut but that top right corner with those fluorescent colors the cmyk can't hit well you have nascar come in and they need their yellow and orange you know fluorescent yellow and orange lettering on there well you just you know, separate your art, you throw in two screens and you print those on there. So really, cool. you know, you can print with 14 colors and have all the nice, you know, print, flash, cool, print, flash, cool. You can have that with three screens with a 14 color machine. But I tell everybody, you're going to pigeonhole yourself because you're going to get this great machine and you're going to be all excited. And then you're going to have a customer that says, this is great. I heard you can, I heard you can print glitter on this. Can you do that? And you're going to be like, uh, you know, I can't. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Makes sense, makes sense. Okay, so yeah, so back to price point. Yeah, what? Yeah, price point. Digital squeegee. I mean, I think their MSRP is like two ten for that, um, and then your your press and your dryer and that kind of stuff. And you know, so it, it kind of prices itself out of these smaller shops. You have to have a big dryer. I mean, if you, I know a lot of people aren't printing water based ink, but you have to have you know gas dryer you got I'm, I'm running 16 feet of heat and i'm probably going to be running next time i have m and r out uh, i'm probably going to add another drone to my uh sprint 3000 uh just to get just longer heat so i can run these things a little bit fat, uh, faster but yeah wow. you know and then you want to have your screen set up for, you know you want to have unicoats so that every screen is consistently coded you want to have cts you want to have you know, you're, you're burning down to a science. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's the next level of printing, you know, I mean, it, you, you gotta have everything running and that's just in the marriage of traditional screens. And when you're printing all traditionally with just screens, um, you can have crafty screens with, with low tension and, and, you know, you can make it work because then you can adjust the rest of your screens to, to kind of make up to cover up and that when you're working with a uh, hybrid, your screens, have that tension and so it's pressing the ink on the shirt and if, the, if there's a little bit low tension you can have a little give that hybrid the, the digital squeegee doesn't care it's a computer that says i think it's going to be here i'm not compensating for any stretch i'm going to print it completely flat here and there and you can go in and easily with photoshop you can stretch the image you know two pixels down and make that happen and it's part of 
what I like to call cheating. And I really think, I mean, it, it really is cheating. The digital squeegee makes fixing art a dream come true. I mean, you don't have to pull your hair out like you would with traditional screen printing. If something isn't working on press, you can literally just go to Photoshop, fix anything, and then save it in five minutes and be printing rather than gotcha. Sean, how, what was, so when you, when you, when, the, when they started installing it, when do you think, you know, you were finally up and running? What was the learning curve like? So and I, I tell everybody because, you know, it, whenever anybody gets a new piece of equipment, they're just like, I, I you know, I want it. I want to run. I want to get all excited about that. And half the owners already have jobs set up. You know, they haven't even got the machine installed. And they're like, we already got work. We've been selling it because we've been promising our customers. You know, it, it is it is a different um, is set up. You know, they come in. If you if you don't have anything, they come in first and it takes two weeks. It took a week and a half to get the striker, you know, set up and all that kind of stuff. And then they have the digital uh, guy come in and he sets up and spends a week with you on setting up, the, uh, you know, uh, you know, registering it to your press and teaching you kind of how to work it and everything like that. And then I ran it about two weeks and they tell you, hey, write all your questions down, you know, try and just do your best just running it. And then MNR sent out my rep and the, uh, the digital squeegee head, and they spent another three days with me and really just got everything tweaked out, nailed out and stuff. So, I mean, MNR does a really good job with helping you um, get into it and get comfortable running it. But you have to understand that it's just a different, you know, it's a different way of printing. You know, you can't use all the old tricks that you're used to with, with traditional screens. You know, it's a whole different way. It's a whole different way of separating art. Um, Plastisol ink, you can you can print a red fade with halftones and you can see, you know, little red dots on a black shirt. Uh, with with the digital squeegee with hybrid, the, those, those CMYK inks are, I mean, they're just basically colored Kool-Aid. You know, that's what it is. I mean, it's very, it, it's low pigmented, uh, you know, water or you know, whatever it is. And if there's not a white dot that you've printed on a black shirt for that ink to sit on top of, you know, it disappears on the black shirt. So, you know, um, it takes artists, um, I'm, I'm hearing, it takes artists a week to a week and a half to just kind of settle in, build their bases. You know, you're gonna go through some screens kind of learning the process, but you know, setting it up and saying, oh, well, you know, that, that right there, I need to push that base out a little bit more. And then, like I say, with cheating, you know, then you print a little black in the, in the Photoshop, you print in the, in the digital design, you print a little black and it sits on the black shirt and you can get these really beautiful fades and all this fun stuff um, where you normally wouldn't print uh, a black fade on a black shirt because you wouldn't have to, but it allows you to just kind of do some really cool things in some really quick time to just make it look how you want. Sean, do you send just the high color count jobs onto the digital squeegee now? Or are you like, does it expand what's also possible or does it lower minimums or like, how do you determine now which press you're going to throw a job on? So I would, so I typically have enough work on my digital squeegee to be running just the good stuff. You know, we, uh, you know, I've, I've catered to my girls, uh, in their brands and said, Hey, let, you know, when you want your full color, all the blends and all that stuff, let's go and do that on the digital squeegee. If you want your four color spot color, we're going to send it to the gauntlet. And, and so, but, uh, DFW Inc down in Dallas, they've been running theirs maybe two months and, um, he's running everything on there. I mean, it's great. I saw a video that he posted and, uh, Kenneth is just going to town. I really believe that Kenneth is going to, uh, 
be the proof that you know you could have one digital squeegee set up in your shop and you can run it i mean he's running hmm. he's running three colors you know three color designs on this thing and like at, at 48 job shirt you know because it's three screens so i mean really when you get to the fact that you're like you you get to the point you you you, you price it correctly and then you get to the point where hey this is what we're going to do I mean, it's just, it just becomes just another piece of equipment in your shop. I, it kind of loses, once you once you have it in your shop and you run it regularly, it kind of loses the wow factor. I think a lot of people see it and they think digital squeegee and you can only run, you know, beautiful full color art on that, but it's really not. You can, I mean, it hits, I wouldn't say it hits Pantone's 100%. Um, there's some different rips that you can buy, uh, upgrades that you can buy. Luckily, I don't have customers that are really nitpicky about Pantone's. Um, so I haven't had to worry about it, but if you have customers that are really nitpicky, the beauty of it is you print the design, you bring your Pantone over there, you say, oh, this isn't it, let's let's up the cyan a little bit, you print another one, you, you put your color card next to it and say, oh, that's it, and, and you can have that color and save that as a color profile for Pantone, blah, 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 and then every time it wants to hit that, it just loads that in, so, um, but yeah, you can print anything on it, and, and I'm finding more and more shops are, you know, printing 24 shirt orders you know, three color, four color prints, and they're printing on the digital squeegee, and they're doing it in three screens, so it's starting to make sense. Sean, let's talk a little bit about like pricing and uh, when it starts to make sense. How, talk us about that, because you you know, bringing in that much equipment, um, your just natural overhead was going to go up, right? Um, the cost of keeping that machine there is going to get much more expensive, and ink and maintenance and all that stuff. Are you constantly number crunching um, or has it paid itself off already? So I just paid off the machine uh, after a year and a half. I, I did a lease with Geneva and they gave me a five year lease on it because it was upwards more of three hundred, four hundred thousand $400,000 to put all this equipment in. And I said, oh, you know, it's a bunch. It was, it was, you know, with the taxes or whatever they add in it, it was almost an $8,000 lease a month for that machinery. And I thought, wow. yeah, I mean, who knows how long it's going to take to do this. And uh, got it in July of 2019, and I had to pay taxes or pay off the machine last year. So I, I paid off the machine <laughs> in the middle of COVID. That's awesome. I Congrats, Sean. I made enough profits to pay that off in a year and a half. So really, um, I don't know if the digital squeegee made me that money necessarily. I'm not, I wish I was a number cruncher and could do that. And uh, uh and that's probably one of my uh, on my list of you know one million things to get done this year, but um, it definitely helped me uh, gain customers. And I'm, I'm traditionally mostly a contract printer, so it gained me customers. And then they would send me regular practical jobs. So it just grew. Having the capability to print hybrid in my shop grew my business. And so uh, yeah, it, it's been great. Wow, is the there someone in your you know? Go ahead, John. Anyway. Go ahead, go ahead. And, uh, when, when pricing came in, you know, I was, I think I was like the 10th or 12th shop in, in the country and everybody else was big. So they had their pricing locked down. They had, you know, whatever. And so, you know, I, I just kind of threw it out there what I thought I wanted to be. I really believe that it's a new technology. Uh, the machinery isn't cheap to get into. So I bought, I bought the equipment to make money. Um, and so I didn't want to kind of, just throw it out there and, and race to the bottom. And I encourage every owner when I talk to them, I said, hey guys, make sure you're make sure you're showing the value, make sure your customers know that it's all printed on the digital squeegee and that this is a higher level of printing and they're getting these great prints and it's water-based and it feels great and it looks great. 
make sure you're charging for that so that they know that they can be proud that they have a new technology. And I really, you know, uh, I kind of threw my pricing out. I think I'm, I'm not the cheapest. I don't think I'm the most expensive. I'm kind of right there in the happy middle. Um, but gotcha. I really hope that in the near future, hybrid is kind of something that customers start asking for. You know, digital squeegee, digital squeegee, you know. Wow. You're going to uh, cut you what, off. What, what's something you don't like about it or something that like what's your biggest critique or kind of warning i guess um because it is a new technology and uh you know um knowing sean's, that sean's gonna lose his mnr sponsorship yeah you know, <laughs> they haven't paid me one cent so let, I, how many I'm yeah this and i tell them that you know oh, i'm kidding <laughs> no uh with the, with the digital squeegee you know i have to think pro Disadvantages are that, that that gamut. Um, I really wish I could print fluorescence, and I'm sure MNR is working on adding. Uh, and it's I don't know how they're gonna do it. They're gonna have to really get some engineering, but adding probably a fluorescent yellow and fluorescent green or something, whatever those other hexachrome color you know DTG machines are that are adding that that fifth and sixth color. That's really what I'd like to see in the next uh, iteration, because when you can't get those color I, I have my customers they're, they're southwest and so they love that turquoise color that it's in all the serapi and stuff like that and i can't hit that bright turquoise that i really want to print um and so yeah you're constrained to some colors um most of my customers i i say hey is this good enough and they look at the rest of it and the fact that they're printing serape which i was having to print you know simulated cock process with like three colors to, to, to make up 15 or 20 with half tones and you know so they're looking at everything else and they're like you know this looks great I'll, I'll take it so everybody else has been really happy but me being a perfectionist I'd love to, to dial in some colors a little bit more without having to have a, a spot color what what about like downtime like has the machine I mean you know things break things go down like zero zero yeah. huh? you know and I've been lucky I you know there's some other there are some other people that um, install you know didn't come as quickly or happen as quickly as as mine did you know uh, I my digital tech he came in I said okay um, realistically when okay it's Monday morning uh, when, when are we gonna be doing our first print on that and he said if everything works perfectly by Thursday afternoon we could probably do some test prints and I was like okay so I was budgeting my time for that Wow Tuesday afternoon he's like we're done. You got anything? Let's burn some screens. And he said, "This, you know, they're they're getting a lot better at getting it set up, getting it registered, getting it going." And that was, you know, a year and a half ago. So, but the machines, you know, they're they're big machines, and they're run by computers. And there's heads, and uh, during my installation, one of the heads popped, and so we had one uh, overnighted in, um, and they got it fixed. And since then, in a the year and a half, I've had absolutely zero problems no heads no head problems at all you know the machine it's not like dtgs you know the big problem with them is if you're not running them on a consecutive basis you know that white ink gets clogged in the heads and then you have a you know expensive paperweight uh because there's no white ink in the digital squeegee and and the pigments and the, and the inks that they use they're really the, the maintenance on this machine uh, you you wipe down the inside um and, and that's about it. You make sure that the ink is filled and it will definitely know, let you know if it's not because it beeps at you forever. Um, but I mean, really, I've, I've spent zero dollars on maintenance and I, I probably don't clean it as much as I should. Um, 
but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's you're gonna void your warranty. Watch out! Don't say that on the on, on camera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really a dream machine. It's really kind of just a, a set it and forget it machine, which you know I I didn't expect. But after a year and a half, I can honestly tell people, you know, if you're if you're if you have experience in DTG and and having problems with that, this this isn't the same machine. I mean, MNR has really made this to where it keeps itself. You know, I, I did a video my first Christmas and we, we take the week of Christmas off. And so there was 10 days that we had the machine off. And I said, you know, I was trying in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to make videos this year. And of course, COVID happened and I you know, didn't have time at all. But it was 10 days. And I said, I'm going to make a video of me turning the machine on, of not running it for 10 days, run one nozzle check, you know, doing and, and, and seeing how it looked. And it came out perfect. And I was just really amazed. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm going to do one take and it's either going to be good and I'm going to be like, oh, this is an amazing video or, uh, well, yeah, we let's run it a couple more times. I understand it's been 10 days and it was just perfect. And, you know, M&R was like, you know, that, that was a great video because it just proves, you know, what we try to tell every customer, you know. And of course, you know, a lot of people here, you know, M&R is there to sell machines, you know, so they're going to give you the sales pitch and, uh, you know, and tell you how great this machine is and how it can change your shop and do all that stuff. And, and a lot of people get that sales pitch and that's what kind of gets the, the, the little bug in their ear. And then they want to talk to owners, you know, okay, you know, we heard M&R. Now, now let's hear from somebody who's been running it for so long and, and actually running it in production and get an honest opinion. And I try to give that as honestly as possible. Hey, Sean, you, you talked about uh, being big in women's apparel and that being your niche. How did that happen? So about eight years ago, you know, I'm in my little shop and I actually had a six house sportsman at the time. And I was just a two person shop. I had me. I was doing all the accountant, everything, and I had a guy that was at the end of the dryer, and then he cleaned screens, and we were just, you know, I was just making a living, and had some girls send me an email, and they were, one of them was uh, graduating college, and she wanted to start a line, and, you know, she couldn't find anybody else in, in town that was willing to do, you know, 36 shirt orders and stuff, and at the time, I was slow, and I said, yeah, let's give it a try, and her business literally grew we grew together um and now she's doing uh she went from you know everybody starts a a, a brand with with your printed t-shirts because that's just the easiest to get into now she doesn't do printed anymore she's a full-blown custom apparel uh business um you know doing millions of dollars in sales a month and so uh I, w I was sad to see the business go but i was happy you know because she allowed me to grow my business to a level that I never thought that I would get to, um, and and so I kind of learned along the we learned along the way, kind of what worked, what didn't. I kind of learned how to work with women in their shops and their you know their uh, their the intricacies of, of of helping women's brands and stuff. And they're they're picky and they're you know particular and and you just kind of uh, I, I've learned to be a concierge service to them and uh, you know they like to text a lot and you just give them all the attention that they need and, and, and then you can be really successful with that. So when I saw them uh, starting to tailor more to, to uh, the custom apparel uh, and, and, and not printing, I quickly found another couple brands and you know just bugged the crap out of them and said, hey, I wanna be your new printer and this is what I can do and this is how I can do it and I can save you money and I can give you my concierge service. And they reluctantly gave me a couple orders and then quickly found out, hey, this, is, this, this guy is gonna do what he says. And so now I'm printing for about five brands and consecutively and that makes up about 80% of my business and Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. You, Just diving so into that. That's crazy. Really went into the niche. Interesting. And you know what? What's funny is like when we joke about, oh, I want to start a clothing brand customers. Right? Yeah. 
yeah. Um, we joke about, right? Everyone jokes about that. Like, oh, I want to start a clothing brand. You know, do, are you also in fulfillment as well? Are you handling like the shipping and all that stuff? Yeah. Or are you just printing and giving it to them? Yeah, I'm printing it and giving it to them. So they aren't even in the town. So um, I have one that's about two and a half hours away and they drive a van uh, to my shop four to five times a week and pick up a pallet. You know, yesterday, literally we had, we printed two pallets worth of shirts for them yesterday. So they picked up, uh, what's today, Thursday. Uh, they picked up, they picked up Tuesday and Wednesday and i just, you know, we get it in, we start printing it. We wait for UPS. I'm like, Hey, we got this. Uh, we go full tag and fold with it also. So, I mean, we just really just, we cater to them and they, they've just blown up my business. They also grew last year in COVID because, you know, malls and target and all that stuff was shut down. So women getting their stimulus checks, they were, they were online stress shopping. And so my online, uh, my women's friends, they blew up. And so then that, that business came my way. And, you know, we just, we just had a really great year last year. Do you, do you handle the fulfillment for that too and storing inventory or just ship it off to them and they manage it? Uh, typically it, it, it comes in and it's in my shop for three days and I ship it out, but I've told them, okay. uh, you know, sometimes when they'll get a good deal on something or they know something's really going to sell really well, they'll ship in a pallet or two and they'll say, Hey, can, can you store this for us? And, uh, and, and just pick off of it and stuff. And I've got a large enough space now that I have, I can do that. I put it up in a rack and I have a little spreadsheet that every time we take off my people, you know, count off and stuff like that. And, and we, uh, we make that work. So yeah, my, the customer before that I had, I had full fulfillment with them. In fact, they were actually building, um, they got really big, uh, when, when raglans, were, were big and the baseball shirts. So 90% of what I printed on them was raglans. And it was those American apparel raglans with the fluorescent colors and stuff that when those were really big. And so we would order 10, 15,000 raglans at a time and I would store them for my customer. It, you know, and not really any cost, you know, as part of that concierge service that, that I give to my customers that I, you know, I have the space and I'll, I'm going to do that for them. It doesn't take a lot of time or, you know, uh, energy to, to have it there and i'd actually rather have control of it versus having it shipped in and having to count it and trying to figure out when when it's going to be here and stuff anyway so it just made sense for me that wow. makes sense wow. so you must have grew then in 2020 or what did that look like for you guys yeah 20, since it was so heavy online brands yeah 2020 you know i i i feel bad because there's so many uh shops in the industry that you know their sales were completely down because they did live events and schools and all this kind of stuff but that wasn't my, that wasn't my niche so my niche actually grew during covid and uh my it was the best year that i've had in 18 years um so uh and and i really believe that um this year is going to be better than that and then i think that when the dust kind of settles on all of this stuff and and the industry that's needing t-shirt every you know there hasn't probably been a, a concert t-shirt printed in the last six months or if there hasn't been <laughs> one of these days you know the the, the clouds are going to clear and the sun's going to come out and everybody and their mother is going to need printed apparel for their events and stuff and there's going to be more business than any of us can even fathom and so the shops that are the shops that are holding tight and they're making things work and everything i think there's going to be or at least i hope there's going to be kind of a reset in the industry i think over the past you know decade it's it's been kind of a race to the bottom you know everybody there's such a saturated uh industry because you know 
companies have made it very affordable to get into even low level automatics. Um, you can get into, you know, printing, you know, printing software and, and separation software and ink mixing. It's just become so much easier than, than the masters had it in the eighties when they had to do everything, you know, by hand and, you know, they didn't have all these computers to work with. So there, there's a lot of shops that, you know, for 10 grand, you could be running a really successful shop and reprinting and stuff. And, um, some of those shops that may not really need to be in business because they were just kind of doing it by the you know seat of their pants and stuff. They've they've probably not been able to weather the storm. And um, some of the other shops that that have made it, I'm hoping that we can get back to pricing to where we, we actually provide a really valued service and, and people don't mind spending a little bit more money. And especially with you know if, yeah. there's, if there's so much business that that. Uh, you know, it's kind of a supply and demand. Hopefully, the, uh, the print industry can take it and and say, "Hey, you know, if you need this stuff, you know, my price went up a little bit because you need it, and, and, and I'm selling with work, so you're either going to pay it or you're not going to get some shirt." Right. Yeah, that's the uh, we chat about that a lot, especially at the pricing side of of how online stores and running stores have allowed you to charge more, and handling fulfillment have allowed you to charge more, and finishing to charge more, and just be able to differentiate. I'm curious with all of your growth in 2020 with being able to offer hybrid now, uh, what do you feel like is your biggest challenge coming up this year now? And and how do you plan on actually executing on it? Because we've also been talking that too of creating our annual plan, but how do we make sure we actually do it? So my goals for this year are uh, picking up more hybrid customers. Uh, but before I do that, my goal is to have my shop running without me. Um, I've been such a big part of everything and I, I like to have my thumb on every part of the process and I, I see that if I want to grow and want to get out there and be able to talk, I, you know, I can talk to hybrid printing and, and show it off better than any salesperson probably. So uh, rather than get a salesperson, I'm trying to get my shop to where it runs itself. Um, you know, the art comes in and I have a person doing that, building invoices and then my shop. Um, they're, they're making sure that everything looks good and high quality and, and counting and all that stuff gets done. So once that happens, which I'm hoping by probably the second quarter that I can get out there and, and really start hitting the, uh, the digital market because I found a lot of, of contract work, um, you know, people don't necessarily have the space, the funds to get hybrid into their shop. And so I believe it's gonna be a very, very big year for, for my contract hybrid um, and I just, you know, really it is, you just gotta, you gotta let people know that you have it, you know, uh, if they don't know you have it, they can't send you work. So, but how do you, how do you plan on trying to do that? Cause I think a lot of us absolutely, you know, want to not be there, but we always seem to get sucked back into Bruce, the day-to-day Sean's gonna lead traction with you and finish the book this year. That's your 2021 goal. <laughs> is that our, is that our Printavo book club? That's your Printavo book club, but Bruce well, reads I... it over the course of three years. <laughs> the yeah. audiobook is so boring but the physical one takes so long you're like you think i feel like i read a chapter i'm like oh my gosh okay we're gonna go in we're gonna do this and then and then i don't get back to the next one i'm on the last two chapters yeah i mean it, it's little things uh, it's little things like me taking off an afternoon and just forcing myself to just get out of the shop because if i get out of the shop then i can't be there to answer questions to go over and nitpick something to do everything uh and so on I'm coming in late. I'm leaving a little bit early. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm giving everybody the responsibility and telling them, hey, uh, 
you're in charge of this now. And you know, if it's messed up, it's going to come down on you. It's not me going to be there anymore um, and, and looking over your shoulders. So I want everyone to have pride in their work and I want everyone to kind of step it up. I've, I've in, implemented uh, quarterly bonuses um, this year. So uh, everybody knows there's a certain amount of bonus that they're going to get every quarter. And last year I did that for the last two quarters and they just got the bonus and we had a lot of mistakes. And I told them this year, I said, yeah, you like those, you like those bonuses. Um, but now we're going to go in and say, Hey, if we have a shirt and it costs me $400 because we messed up these shirts, I got to order in, I'm going to see who had a, who had a part in, in what that mistake was. And that's coming out of those bonuses. And so that's going to, um, keep everybody kind of on their toes. You know, it's, it's, it's extra money in the pocket if everyone does their job correctly. And so I got them to kind of have a taste of what it was because I think it added, I think it added close to like $6,000 to everybody last year, just kind of, hey, money at the end of the year that, you know, or, or every quarter that they were that they were able to, to have in their pocket. And, you know, it was a really good Christmas. I, I gave them the quarterly bonus before the Christmas so that they could go spend it on presents and stuff. But, you know, they kind of, they like it now. And they're like, hey, we're, we're looking forward to our quarterly bonus. And I said, okay, oh, now, mistakes and costs are going to be coming out of those and we'll be having conversations on that because you know everybody makes mistakes and you know normally the business yeah. pays for it but now since uh that's money that i'm just kind of popping into you guys pockets let's uh let's start being responsible for those mistakes and uh, i think it's only going to take a couple times when uh, when, I, when i have this conversation said hey this was a 400 mistakes and the three of you guys you know didn't catch it and here you go i'm gonna have to divide it and it's coming out and i think it's only going to take one quarter for them to see uh that 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 makes a difference and uh then i expect things to kind of get dialed in real well yeah steve you do the you don't you do the mistake jar or do you still uh, do yeah, that we have a couple different versions we've been going through it's uh it's it's iterating um, it changes, uh, whether it's incentive for good work or, uh, kind of keeping track of spoilage and stuff. Um, I've found that it's better to give incentive for good work <laughs> than to take money out. Um, so like every positive job is something, um, but it definitely, it's tough. It's like a, a marble in the jar kind of, kind of concept for sure. Everyone's a little different uh, in the way they do it and everyone's motivated a little differently too. So yeah I'm a, big, but, uh, I'm a big fan of gary v and he talks about you know going to every every you know having a conversation with every uh, crew member you know on a monthly basis and i i wish i had the time for that but he was talking about motivation some people want some people want that word at the end of the day said man you did a great job i really appreciate you some people want more responsibility and that's what they see as you know they're doing the job good because i've given them more responsibility and and some people just want the money you know and they, hey that raise you know or that you know um you know, oftentimes, you know, we'll be slamming and, you know, we'll have a great week. And at the end of Friday, I'll go and grab Sonic uh, drinks and I'll go to Target and buy everybody a $50 Visa gift card. And I'll say, hey, I call it the badass bonus. And I said, you guys have kicked ass this week. Here you go. Here's 50 bucks and here's Sonic. And let's finish out the next two hours of Friday and have a great weekend. And, you know, it's just the little things like that that they appreciate. And I, 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 I think they expect it and it's good because I know that they know that if they do a good job, there's going to be some, some perks coming their way. Um, you know, I'm a really big person in the business of, I see a lot of owners and <clears throat> they've got boats and nice cars and all that kind of stuff like that. And I live a real modest life in Lubbock and it isn't expensive to live. 
And I, I tell my crew all the time that, hey, if the business is making money, like I want to give it to you. I want to make it so that you guys have a really livable wage and that you guys can prosper and grow and we can all be making money. So it's, uh, you know, and that, that that's easy for me to do when I have 10 to 12 you know, crew members, uh, when, when, sure. when you start, you know, having 40 or 50, it, it's, it's hard to just start shoveling out tons of money like that. But, you know, I've, I've developed my business and I run real lean and we're like a family and, you know, it, it's just been working so far until, until it doesn't work. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep going, but you know, I'm at a point right now where I have three presses and, uh, we're running the third press about half the time and, and the, the gauntlet and the strike are running full time. So I really don't think that I want to get any bigger. I've kind of found a nice sweet spot where I can make money. I can pay everybody and they're happy and we can work and there aren't as many headaches as, you know, if I grew to another level and put in another press or two and, you know, had all those extra headaches and stuff and jobs and customers and everything to take care of, you know, you get to a certain point where one press more, you got to hire five more people just because the sheer number of, you know, overhead and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm kind of in a nice spot and, you know, if I can, if I can make it work and, and, and run by itself without me there and, uh, I'd be happy. Yeah, that's cool. awesome. Sean, cool. I really appreciate the time. This has been incredible to, I think, just to share the journey of your, your squeegee, um, your, just the hybrid journey, and also how you've grown last year and, and what you're looking forward to next year. Thanks so much for being able to join us. Guys, you can be able to tune in. You can also reach out to Sean. He's, uh, you're pretty present on the Facebook groups. Um, but uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Printavo Printhouse's podcast. Check it out.